whereas this kind of rewrites the beginning and that yeah to me is very um i'm not sure really how i feel about it but it's not like a good feeling Hello and welcome to Who Gives a Flux, a Doctor Who podcast. My name is Mike and here is part three. Yes, part three. My first ever part three (laughs) is part three of the conversation with Kira, who has had the very difficult task to choose an honourable mention, a dud and a stud story for each of the new Who Doctors. In parts one and two, Kira chose episodes for the ninth, tenth, eleventh, and Twelfth Doctors, and here is part three, where Kira tackles the Thirteenth Doctor and the fam. Let us then, let's go to the Chibbers era, we're in Jodie Whittaker's territory now. Thirteenth Doctor, what are your honourable mentions? I struggled with the Thirteenth Doctor, if I'm honest. Um, Okay. It's not my favourite era. Okay. Um, It's probably my least favourite era of New Who. Okay. Well, not probably. It is my least favourite. It is. Okay. There's, no, there's no actual... I was being quite kind of tentative with that. I don't know why. No, no. This is, these are um, your opinions. You have them. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of the fam either. That really irritates me beyond belief. Um, right. And I actually really struggled to pick out episodes that either were the best or the worst because I actually just have a general aversion to a lot of the a lot of the stories on in Chibnall's era um, interesting I I don't think you're alone in this no I'm not alone I know I'm no. not alone um, but you have to be very careful with this opinion because it is very divisive it is quite difficult to discuss because um, you know you immediately get into the territory of like oh is it just because it's the first female doctor or is it you know I just and think it's... if something doesn't resonate with you, it doesn't resonate with and you. And it just and doesn't. And that can be for so many reasons. Yeah, and it's not the fact that um, the Doctor became female. Um, I think Missy is a prime example of where the gender swap works absolutely astoundingly well. For me, I don't think Jodie Whittaker is actually right for the Doctor's character. I don't think she quite has that same presence and gravitas that a lot of the other actors playing the Doctor have had. So I just don't really, it just doesn't really gel with me. And I think her characterization often feels a bit like she's not really in control of anything or able to exert any kind of authority or, I don't know, it just feels like she doesn't really do very much. There's often kind of a real surprise that anything gets resolved in the end. Um, And I just dislike it quite a bit. Um, there are moments, of course, there are, as in any Doctor, there are always moments that work better than others. So in terms of honourable mentions, I'd say Fugitive of the Jadoon is one yes. of them. Yes, okay. Um, again, it kind of, uh, but it only really works because of the strength of things like Family of Blood, you know, Human Nature and Family of Blood, because it is directly related to that idea it of is. the chameleon arch to rewrite biology. And yeah. that is... Again, it's nice to see that again. It's nice to see that concept after quite a long time. Again, it's always good to see Jack. So that was really fun. I kind of like that Jack is just as successful as the Doctor when it comes to elements of um, what he should be excellent at, which is picking up the Doctor and, of course, yeah. just to pick up everyone but. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's really funny. So, and Joe Martin's really good. 
really, really good, really solid in that and really interesting. I'm not um, a huge kind of fan of where it fits into the Doctor's history. Okay. If I'm honest. I But I like, I do like the concept of this hidden version. I mean, in the same way that John Hurts was a hidden version, I suppose. Yes. yes. Um, so I've got nothing necessarily against the concept, but I'm not quite sure based on the way that it kind of indicated so heavily that it was pre-first doctor because it does that does really rewrite a lot of the doctor's persona in a way that the war doctor doesn't really because it's somewhere in between in an era that was unseen whereas this kind of rewrites the beginning and that yeah to me is very um i'm not sure really how i feel about it but it's not like a good feeling having said that the jadoon are great in it i like it it's a good concept and yeah, it unlocked a lot of like mystery. It was the first time my interest had really been piqued in Jodie Whittaker's era. Yes, yeah, it it does suddenly make you sit up and listen. Yeah, and none mm. of the other episodes up to that point had really done that, but that one did. So okay. uh, for that reason, it does get an, the honourable mention. So yeah, let's say that's my honourable mention. For... Nice, okay, good choice because you know what, there's that's one of those episodes that I had to watch again the next day straight away because yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, I need to understand <laughs> what does this mean? Absolutely. And, it, and, and I think that I like that excitement and that spark that it gave me to think again, yeah. you know, and I, I think you're right. It's got so much good stuff in it. I just love the misdirect as well. Exactly. I yeah, love the that fact was that really we, good. oh, it's all about the Jadoon. And then a week before, they're like, hang on a second, Jack is back. Oh my gosh, that's such a surprise. Wow. This is the actual surprise. Yeah. <laughs> You're not and it, and it, it wasn't something oh, we were seeing coming, which was no, nice. I like that. That was clever. I yeah. like that. Yeah, fair, fair point. Okay, then. So if this era doesn't resonate with you, which is absolutely fine because. I, you know, think about the fact that even a lot of Capaldi, mine people didn't resonate with, and a lot yeah. of people walked away from that era. So it just it happens from time to time. That at least the good thing about the longevity of Doctor Who is that hopefully the next era will have more meaning for you if this is how you yeah. felt at that point. So that's yeah. good. But I'm sensing then there might be a few episodes at the bottom of the pile. <laughs> well, as I said, actually, it was very difficult to pick episodes apart because there weren't a lot of episodes that I could really particularly remember with much clarity and i did okay. actually have to do some re-watching ahead of doing this because i needed to actually pick out some episodes okay um, so i actually went through some episodes that kind of had stood out for either good or bad reasons yes um but the majority of the episodes are kind of a bit of a blur if i'm honest okay so i don't have that many episodes this is actually the shortest list the 13th <laughs> right okay out of all the others really but um my my worst ones, I'm going to say, I've there's, there's three, okay? Okay. So, in no, this is, yeah, the first ones that aren't the worst, but Survivors of the Flux and the Vanquishers, okay. I don't like very much at all. I didn't really like the Flux storyline, and I didn't really like hearing the phrase, what is the Flux from Jodie Whittaker, almost every single episode. Because <laughs> um, I was just kind of, thinking in my head listening to it and going well go and find out that's what you're supposed to be doing and there just wasn't really that it just it's just constant just don't, don't just keep asking people what the flux is go and find out that's what you should be able to do as a doctor and that kind of yeah that kind of annoyed me i really didn't like the villains of swarm and azure oh interesting okay 
and I really didn't like the uh, what was his name, the serpent something. Oh, the Grand, Grand Serpent. serpent yeah, because it yeah. just it's literally nothing explained. Who was he? Why was he there? I don't know. I'm really not yeah. interested, and and even not interested actually in finding out, which is not a good place to be. Really, I don't think there was much of an explanation to go into about him. No, I couldn't. I think work he just out. wanted. He just wanted to survive because he'd grown into a position of power, so he used what he had to go back in time and survive. It just seems so irrelevant to the rest of the storyline, I guess, and I just don't. Yeah, it just didn't seem to. I think that was a plot too far. We didn't need it. I did, we didn't need it at all. Yeah, no, I agree with you that. I'm not a fan of the Carvinista dog alien thing. I think it just looks stupid. Um, oh, I love Carvinista. Oh, I'm really not a fan. Um, <laughs> I, I do understand, but he's just like Chewbacca, but with a big like. I know, axe but it thing. just, but it's like again, but it just looks like at least Chewbacca looks like. Doesn't look like a specific animal, whereas like it's, it's literally mm. just a dog. Mm. And I don't know for some reason it worked better with cats in season two, but for some reason this dog thing looks stupid. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm not a fan. Um, the other thing about Survivors of the Flux and the Vanquishers, Survivors of the Flux gets a a really interesting potential payoff for the storyline in the previous series regarding uh, Tecteun who actually, I have to admit, I actually quite like the idea of Tecteun. Yes. There are problems with it, which I will go into, but I quite like the idea of Tecteun. What I don't like is the fact that she was immediately killed because then it completely takes away that opportunity to go further with that. Um, And it's like, why have you just killed the most interesting part you've actually created in this entire run for these two sparkly Christmas bauble creatures, Swarm and Azure, who I still have no idea really what they wanted. I've watched it a few times and I still cannot fully work it out. It doesn't make much sense to me. And it has the classic Chibnall writing style of very much of, of telling and not showing. Um, oh, he does that a lot. Which I which is, it's, like, it's like Cardinal Sin 1 of screenwriting is you know, show, don't tell. You know, you've got, you're in a visual medium and you need to be able to show people what, you know, they need to be able to see it. They don't just want to be told it. And he does do that a lot. And there's a lot of things that come up in that same vein, you know, and that also goes for, you know, even the finale um, in The Power of the Doctor because there's the whole kind of Yaz romance thing, which to me is baffling um because there's very much a kind of telling not showing we don't see any of it but we get told it and suddenly yaz is the best thing that's ever happened to the doctor and i'm thinking really when when did that happen but apparently it's really obvious according to dan so uh, i'm just like okay fine we're doing that so yeah that kind of writing style that he does and he does it a lot in the whole flux storyline because we just kind of get told things that we have to just accept and it doesn't really make any sense and it goes against what we know the doctor wanting to just kind of annihilate all of you know complete genocide of all these other races that the doctor would never really do and always you know argues against the rest of the time and it just it just doesn't mesh it's a weird kind of strangely written storyline for me and chibnall's failing 
for me is very much i don't like to say fan fiction because it's not to belittle fan fiction it has its place and i think there's some amazing bits of fan fiction that have been of written course. over the years by people and yeah. you know i seem to remember even giving it a stab myself but um interesting i'm not going to go into any more of that because it's probably okay. shit now but um <laughs> but um but i did and I think it does. Unfortunately, it does look like bad fan fiction a lot of the time from Chibnall because it is. It just seems a bit. Yeah, uh, it it doesn't work for me. But that it's... does kind of bring me towards my worst. But I won't. You, you were going to say something. So no, I think I think that the um the the show don't tell thing is is a is a very well trodden discussion online about this era and you know even myself and, and i'm a fan of this era uh, it's it's almost like because it got me feeling warmth and 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 comfort i just i consider this era just comforting yeah that when when you you know it doesn't mean i can't see that when the doctor and yaz and graham and ryan are walking down a hill towards a haunted house she'll go should we walk down this hill and go towards this haunted house i i you know i i, yeah. I can see it happening i can hear it happening I, you know it's one of those things it's it and it's present through the whole thing and you you notice it as well there's a lot of adr added between scenes to to fill in gaps where they think they need to fill in gaps, whereas yeah. actually they could just show us the pictures and we wouldn't need those gaps filled in for us. Exactly. Um, so I do. Don't get me. I can see all of that. Um. But and and yet somehow it's it managed to grab me at a time where I was like, I I love this era, and I and I I loved my viewing experience of it, and the more I've watched it, the more I've got from it. But it's interesting that I was like that with Capaldi too. I had to watch it a lot of times to really let it seep in and let me kind of work my way through how I felt about it. Which and is then... interesting because I didn't have that reaction with Capaldi. That is fascinating. It was I very did... different, really different from Matt Smith's era, but it was. Um, but I didn't have that same process that yeah, you just described yeah no it alienated me a bit and i was like oh i'm watching kind of out of routine now i'm not yeah. really excited to see what happens next which is obviously how you felt watching this particular era yeah um and but that wasn't but i wasn't taking i wasn't thinking about the stories as being bad doing Stephen Moffat's time writing it i was yeah. just watching it and wasn't connected i wasn't feeling it whereas this time around i felt it yeah, but I, I, ha it's, it's one of those things. It, 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 it clicks or it doesn't. Yeah, um, it does. And the, the, yeah, but the, 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 the. Oh, sometimes you just think, stop speaking, just stop speaking, <laughs> just, just stop. Just, we can just, see it just, too. Just, just walk it. Yeah, just walk around and and see it and experience it. And I think sometimes it frustrated me when, um, Jodie Whittaker's Thirteenth Doctor had to be the person in the scene to be like, oh my god, this is what's this is a problem, this is a massive problem. And someone else will go, well, what is the problem? Well, this is the problem. And then she'll say the problem. Yeah. <laughs> and then she'll explain what they need to get out of the problem. And then she'll explain what she's going to do. And then she'll do it. And I'm like, well... Like, the other doctors had other characters that maybe had a bit more insight with them to help them along those conversations. Yeah. Like, for example, River Song. You know, she had a, a knowledge to her that was 
helpful in the exposition department. Whereas in this era, you've got Jodie there having to say it all, and the other three of them standing there watching with blank faces and, because and they have does, no idea. Yeah, and so I and I do I do see that. Uh, please don't think I'm ignorant to it. I see it. <laughs> I don't think you're ignorant to it at all. And I just, no, uh, but you know, I, I, as you say, different eras resonate in different ways. Absolutely, and there, but then there are other moments there where I think, oh, I just bloody love this. And it's it's really strange to have and and the area. I mean, the eras Capaldi and Whitaker are at the moment my two favourite eras, and look how different they are. Yeah, very interesting. And, and I think. You know, this is not. I'm not going to go down too much of a rabbit hole because we can have this discussion another time. Um, <laughs> the the tenth Doctor I loved was the tenth Doctor was on, and I think perhaps I've overwatched it, and yes. I think I've watched myself out of it a bit now. Yeah, so that yeah. when I watch it now, the I, I do get a lot from it still, but I'm getting more from watching Capaldi and Whitaker. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. I can see that. So that's I think that's probably what has happened. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, yes. So, but that isn't even your worst. That isn't even your worst episode. So no, your they, worst episode? my worst episode is the timeless children. Okay, now tell um, me why. So, <sighs> the timeless children introduces a concept that is kind of fascinating in the first part. I can't even remember what the episode's called before it. Uh, it is Ascension of the Cybermen. Oh, that's it. Yeah. So um, there's the kind of the, the subplot of this Irish police officer man. Um, yes. Really interesting. Like, mm. really, really interesting. I love that. I love the way that that then ties into the imagery um, brought up in The Timeless Children. Yes. I, I really like the idea of uh, Tecteum being this very early Gallifreyan who essentially becomes the original architect of the culture and the genetic yeah. structure of the Time Lords that's never been talked about. The fact that their power came from another source that was actually an exploitation, really, um, yeah. is a very dark thing that I completely believe the Time Lords would do because that's exactly what they're like. Mm. Um, and I think that's a, a really, really great concept. The thing I hate about it, though, is that it's the Doctor. Right. Because I think it's a great idea. And I really wish it had just been a new character. I wouldn't have even wanted it to be the master, although that would have been better than the doctor. I think it should have just been a brand new uh, character that could have been either way, good or bad. I don't know. But I think another, this kind of idea of this timeless being being could actually be a really substantial threat. And I think the fact that it's the doctor, it goes into the territory, which I always hate in anything which is where destiny becomes a bit of a factor. Okay. And this kind of idea that, you know, the Doctor is so tied into the origin and the future and the mere existence of Gallifrey makes it too... I, I feel like it makes it just too convenient because the Doctor is is the oddball. The Doctor is the one who is kind of the outcast and because of that is so good because they go against what their people want. Um, of this kind of no interference and, you know, careful and considered study of other civilizations and not getting involved and not using their extreme level of power for any kind of good. The Doctor kind of goes against all of that and becomes a rebel, which is exactly that, that rebellious streak is what's so appealing. But 
when you actually find out that the Doctor is the origin of it all, and yet has somehow managed to grow up in a society and that's never been mentioned to him throughout his entire growing up, which we also know is not strictly accurate either because of the potentially endless amount of lives that the Doctor's already had. Yes. Um, This comes into my issue with the whole, you know, do I really like there being other versions predating Hartnell? Not really. I feel like the growth of the Doctor the what we've seen from the doctor i think is is really important this kind of feels like it invalidates a lot of that because it turns out the doctor had this massively long past that kind of means that where they've kind of been given this involuntary amnesia they've kind of lived this almost fake life and had no knowledge of it and nobody else in time or society has ever been has ever said anything or indicated anything that is you know that might show that that's a you know, an aspect, and you would have thought that the Doctor, yes. as a steep, understand, you know, a very un- deep understanding of Time Lord history, would know something about this, or at the very least be aware of the presence of something known as a timeless child. You'd think that would come up in some capacity, and it hasn't. And I just think it feels like it's just something that's so tacked on. I don't think it. I can't understand really. You kind of can't ignore it but it also doesn't really almost have enough weight to really fix itself and embed itself as part of who law, because it just doesn't quite, for me, it doesn't quite fit with the doctor that we've known and loved and you know grown up with all this time. Hmm. No, I, I do actually, I, you make a lot of valid points there. And it's really interesting that you mentioned the, um, the idea of growing up on Gallifrey and you know, before running away, or at least, it, with with that at this at the top at the point the first doctor runs away with that TARDIS when he doesn't have a memory of what's happened before. I mean, it's possible, I guess, that until that point the doctor was aware that they were the timeless child. Yeah, and that when the memories were stolen before they became the first doctor. Yeah, that all that was taken from them. But it's interesting that the master would never have heard it either because they were there the same time. Exactly. And other time laws that you have seen through Classic Who, which admittedly I haven't seen as much of, um, you know, there's, you know, in the in the lore, it it didn't exist before now. But I think, I think there's a there's a really big theme in this era of, uh, sort of family and adoption and kind of making. You know, finding your tribe and surrounding yourself by with the family you're choosing to create an identity, and I think all those things are very current. Yeah. Um, and I think those tie into that whole story as well, and also the fact that Chris Chibnall was adopted, and so he he brought that to the table and this idea of of you know when the Doctor is, is having that argument with Tectayun and saying like you know you denied me my life. Yeah, and and, and Tetian's like, well, no, I gave you your life, and there's this, this really interesting thought of of uh, a child, you know, saying to a, um, their birth parent who was giving them up, you know, you denied me my life. Yeah, and that's actually interesting. Uh, I didn't know that about Chibnall either. Oh, right. So that right. does actually that gives it like a weight to what the, being yeah portrayed that I, I wasn't aware of. Yeah, there's certainly a context I think to 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 that theme and and the whole thing. You know, I think that if you think about even from that very first episode with 
um, Ryan having lost, you know, he loses his nan that first yeah. episode after having lost his mother and then his father, his absent. So he's, yeah. uh, he's really looking for a family, but rejecting Graham because he's like, I can't, you know, there's, he's looking for a family, but he's unsure where to look to find it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and then you're bringing into it, yeah, you know, Graham, who's obviously found his family so late in life, and then to have lost it, yeah, and then and then Yaz, I think, I guess, with with the brief amount we know about her history, um, and the fact that she went through some mental health struggles, and 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 if that she was, you know, growing up gay whilst being Muslim, I guess is is a is she alienated herself, I guess, from her life and. Uh, there's an idea of looking for her tribe as well. There's a, there's a whole thing. There's a whole theme. Yeah, and it runs through the whole thing and, and then identity. So it, uh, the fact that it went there didn't doesn't surprise me, and it's extremely current with what's going on in the world with identity and, and gender. Yeah, and it everything. is. It really, really is. And I think it asks some uh, some really fantastic questions and highlights some fantastic things. But I get where you're coming from in the frustration of this idea that the doctor is in fact the chosen one yeah or the or that she is the one or they are the one that we all stem from we owe everything to them that is why they are so special and that's the I, convenience I that I, that. yeah that's the convenience i dislike because i think that there's very few examples where that that idea works and i think what strikes me with this is that because it's a very seismic um addition to Doctor Who's history and the Doctor's history itself, you know, themselves, is that rather than feeling like it's something that was always there, it does feel like something that's just a retroactive addition to make it bigger than it actually has any right to be, almost. You know, for example, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is a, is a great example of this because there is no hiding at the very beginning that they are the chosen one. That's, in fact, no point. It's and that's there that's the point of it they are the chosen one fine on board with it but when you've got a character that's not been that and then you know after nearly 60 years they've you know suddenly it's rewritten to be oh actually they're the chosen one i go are they though i don't really don't i don't know if i buy that and i think that undercuts all of the growth and evolution we've had of them over the many many years it's just um, it's fascinating because we just we've just come from an era where the doctor was asking himself you know am i a good man who even am i you know i shouldn't be here because i was at the end of my regeneration cycle in my last yeah. incarnation i shouldn't exist so who am i and he spends his time trying to figure out if he's worthy of being this being alive and in the end he comes to the decision you know that he's you know what fine we're we're going to give it one more try but this time we're going to get it right and you're going to be who I want you to be. And he yeah. he kind of gives that speech, doesn't he, about the 13th Doctor and the characteristics he thinks, you know, the advice he gives to the next yeah. Doctor. Um, I think that's, and... actually, that's actually a very good point you've just raised, though, because in that episode where the 11th Doctor regenerates into the 12th Doctor, we also have that moment where the Time Lords have given him a new set of regenerations. Yes. And of course that's yes. completely undone with the Timeless yes. Children because obviously he didn't need that. And I feel like that's a bit of a bizarre thing that they the Time Lords decide they have to put on the show. Um, yes, you're right there. Is it a show? Are they just Is it a show or do they not know? Light? Yeah, do they yeah. not know? Have they actually just given it? Or and they don't know? Or the people who are alive now there maybe or have or has memory been erased across the whole of Gallifrey yeah. 
I don't know. There's, there's so I, many questions. And it's, yeah. I'm there's just, so many questions. And I don't even know where, I think we're ever going to get answers to it. I think it's just I don't think we will. in front of us. I think it's just there. Yeah. Um, but then I also have a contrary. So I'm going to, I'll finish this little discussion about this episode now on this. Um, because the idea that the Doctor is the chosen one is a, is, is a problematic one. Yeah. Completely on board with you, okay? Because I thought, no, the Doctor isn't the chosen one. Like you, I was like... They are the person that ran away from responsibility to go and be the rebel, like you said. But having said that, we have been watching this program for the last 60 years with this main character. Mm -hmm. And there's absolutely no denying that this person we've been watching is special and is different and is the hero. And and all the points we've been watching them, if we if we are to accept that this is now canon, that the Doctor is actually more special than we realised, they don't know they're that special. They no. still think they're running away. Yeah, we true. still, as the audience, think of them as, as being special because they're the hero, they're the main character, and they are the person, the mystery that we're always trying to solve. You know, Doctor Who, like who is this person? And I think for me. The, this idea of the time as children has made that question even more relevant because now mm. the 60 years that we have that we think we know there's more that we don't know yes so yeah. i quite like that yeah but i do see where you're coming from mm. <laughs> mm. it's okay we can disagree this is what being yeah, yeah, is all yeah, about it's, it's fantastic um so okay then, let us move forward and let us talk about what is your favourite episode. So um, I did struggle with finding a favourite. Um, okay. I I don't have a great deal of episodes from this era that I like. So I'm going to give the. It's not necessarily I think like an incredible episode. I think there are issues with it, but I think I would probably have to go with the power of the Doctor. Okay. So despite there being issues with the kind of Yaz and Doctor relationship, which I don't, I don't believe for a second, it does have things about it that are wonderful to watch. And I have to put that mostly down to Tegan and Ace being in it. Yeah. Um, I think Ace more so, because I think Tegan struck me as being quite different from her personality in, um, in Peter Davison's era. Okay. Um, but it doesn't matter because she was still it was still wonderful to see her again and being able to have a bit more of a kind of an adventure again i thought it was great the fact that they'd continue doing the doctor's stuff on earth this whole time it was nice to get a little bit of closure from ace and you know understanding why ace just was never in it again because yeah. you know we never saw that ending of that pairing with them no. that happened off screen and that's something yeah. that you know it was nice to get a bit of closure with that and nice to have, for her to have that with the seventh doctor personally, I thought was really, really nice. That was a really nice way to, to kind of close out that previous chapter. And I think for me, the, the bit that makes it more than anything for me is that final scene that we were talking about earlier with, oh. with Mel and Joe Grant and, yeah. you know, or Joe Jones, cause she's married, isn't she? Um, Joe Jones. Yes. Joe Jones. Um, and, you know, having them all sitting around and Ian Chesterton um, and talking about the Doctor. And I kind of like the idea of this kind of almost support group thing because they are a very exclusive club. Very few of them can relate. And of course, it's kind of interesting that it's never been thought of before. 
that there's a group of people who are ex-doctor companions that kind of share their stories because they are so unique and i think my the bit that really highlights that is when dan says i'm kind of quite glad i'm not in fear of being exterminated and because it's (laughs) because it's such a specific word they all know every single companion knows what that means they they all know that they're talking about a dalek because they've all encountered a dalek at some point in some way and i think that's a really nice little it's that's actually a very subtle way of saying it rather than going you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not against the idea of being, you know, in front of Daleks again. The way that he said it was a really nice delivery and it just kind of, it was a nice subtle nod that every one of them could just kind of nod and agree with because they all got it. I kind of like the idea that Kate Stewart's kind of going, oh, I might recruit you all because um, I yeah. kind of think that's a really nice, that's a nice concept as well that, you know, it opens the door for other companions in the, from the past to kind of reintroduce into it. So, yeah, I think I think that moment above all else is what makes it the best episode of the Thirteenth Doctor's run. It's not necessarily because of the Thirteenth Doctor. It's just it's a really nicely well done moment, I think, and I think that just that's the bit that just kind of puts it to the top for me. Plus, I think you know, as you haven't resonated with this era, and as this is such a massive kind of love letter to the classic series, yeah. Which which you know that the the other eras didn't do an awful lot of. Mm. They, I think, at the time they were really trying to differentiate themselves from the classic series, whilst being respectful. Yes, whereas absolutely. this, whereas this was the centenary, the was BBC the centenary, BBC, yeah, and they wanted to celebrate the show that's been on that channel for so long. Yeah, uh, and I think that that was a really, really clever and so emotional such an emotional way to do it i mean i yeah. haven't seen a lot of it i was crying <laughs> because <laughs> it was just so so lovely to see you know sylvester mccoy and sophie aldred have that conversation it yeah. was just so lovely to see the doctors at the edge you know of a yeah. generation yeah and, and them and them all coming back and having those lines and i just thought this is this is magical this this is a really big payoff for fans of the show. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Oh, I think, I you think know, it, it was... that was the stuff that really that stuff did resonate with me. Yeah. Um, well, it makes sense that it would if you weren't a fan of the era that this be the episode you choose. It makes complete yeah. sense. Yeah. And the fact that it did have such kind of a, a strong connection to the classic era, which you know. I've watched a lot of. I'm not going to say I've watched it all because there is a lot of it. Um, yes, and, there is. But um, but I've watched a very, very, very large portion of the classic era, and it is very nice to have those kind of payoffs from some of those things. Like I said, particularly with Ace having her very personal payoff, and I think yeah, having. A, I mean, I'm never against having more of Paul McGann's Doctor on screen because I just oh, love I love him. him. Yeah, I love him so much. So can we please give him a series? But yeah, I think it had a lot of classic who connection in it that i did kind of read that did resonate with me more yeah it was lovely and i went yeah. through a really weird I, i've said this on another episode but i went through a really a, a tiktok binge of watching people reacting to those scenes <laughs> <laughs> i know that sounds really bizarre no 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 i'm with you know the reaction thing i get it I get get, get really emotional about seeing something that I found emotional made me even more emotional. <laughs> <laughs> How ridiculous to put myself through that, but I just love it. No, so I, 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 I get it because it's that kind of, 
um share it's it's where you can't watch it again from scratch it's sharing the experience yeah. again i think yeah. that's why the reaction videos are quite a quite a popular thing really um and I, I i get it i watch loads of them i spend a lot of time watching reaction videos and i don't know yeah. why i can't explain it because it sounds no, it's but... strange isn't it but no yeah i'm with there with you yeah i think oh. it is that emotional kind of you know wanting to experience it for the first time and yeah see, feel that initial reaction again i think that's where that comes from yeah well, what a journey this has been. I know. What? Wow. I mean... You're going to have an interesting you... job editing this down. It's quite long. <laughs> it is quite long. You <laughs> may have broken the record so far. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, but genuinely, it's been super duper interesting. Thank you so much for coming on this on this chat today. today with oh, me. it's, it's been... It's... It's been an honour to be it's part been, of it. Uh, an honour. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but um, bum. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Oh, no. But, and, and in all seriousness, I really do hope I can lure you back for more chats because I think it's a fa- your opinions are really interesting. I don't think you'll have to persuade me too hard to um, to come back. So um, I'd be Hooray. more than happy to, to join again in, in the future. Oh, so um, Awesome. Um, okay, so yeah, Kira, it's been a pleasure. Where can people find you online? So you can find me pretty much mostly on Instagram. That's the only thing I really use at the moment. So it's at uh, Kira the first uh, with some underscores in there. I'll pop it in the show notes. Pop it in the show notes. If they want yeah, to have yeah, a conversation. Yeah. Fantastic. And, um, and yeah, feel free to, um, you know, to come talk Doctor Who to me. I'm always happy yeah. to have a Doctor Who chat. Awesome. Okay. So listeners, what did you think of Kira's choices? Are you in absolute agreement or am I feeling an opposing argument <laughs> waiting in the wings? Either way, I want to know, Kira wants to know. So you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at WhoFluxPods. And of course, if you want to come and join me for one of these Duds and Studs chats, you know what to do. Just slide on into my DMs. So Kira, please say goodbye. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this extremely long podcast. I hope uh, I hope it makes sense. But um, yeah, uh, welcome any conversation so uh thank you very much listeners and thank you very much mike oh you're welcome yes thank you everyone for listening and i will catch you on the next episode